We are now in the golden age of audio, where 5G, VR, AR will be everywhere, making sound design uh, and becoming sound conscious more important than ever. I will say, yay, I can't wait. <laughs> However, 3D, uh, 3D is not a technology that is new because it's been in 3D film, it's actually older than sound in film, as experiments with 3D technology goes as far back as the 19th century. I also read that the history of binaural recording goes back to 1881. And me, myself, I came across binaural sound just months ago when I heard Valentino Frequency audio advertising Vos Viva with Lady Gaga. First I thought it was something wrong with my Bose headphones, and then I thought, no, nah, it must be like a production error. But after talking to my friend scientist Nicole Fledge at Sentence Decision Science, she said it might be uh, 3D binaural audio recording. So explain for us, what is 3D binaural audio? And teach us, how is it built and how does it work? So if we start with binaural sound, the term comes from the fact that we have two ears, binaural, and, and, and which in itself is pretty fascinating. We can still pick up locations all around us with just these two signals entering our brains. Um, so, in order to do a binaural recording, the idea is that you put, essentially, you could put microphones into your two ears, small microphones, and then you can record what you are hearing. Then you play it back through headphones, and you will hear exactly the same impression as you had there. And then you get all this 3D, this spatial information, which you do not get when you do a regular stereo recording with an MS microphone. Uh, it's just a regular microphone, that is, because then you're compressing all the three-dimensional information. You just have two channels, but you, you don't have the 3D information. And the way we as people decode these two signals that we get at our ears when I'm out and about and listening is, first of all, you know, just sort of a triangulation, the interoral delays, the delay between my left and right ears. When I listen to you, that's one way for me to you know, detect where you are, also the different amplitudes, the different levels of the ears. But how do I detect the difference between front and back? Because there is no timing difference, no amplitude difference of my ears now. Well, that's something we learn, actually, to adapt to. And, and the way we do it is by this, what we call scientifically head-related transfer functions. Those are describing effects of your head shape and your ears, how they actually change the frequencies at, you know, uh, they, they attenuate and they amplify certain frequencies depending on direction. So if a certain sound comes from the back, my ear is, you know, shaped in a certain way, so that it will shadow some of the sound, whereas from the front it will not. So certain frequencies are amplified when they're from front and vice versa from back. And that's what you're capturing also with a binaural recording, which the regular microphone does not capture. Mm. Mm. And then, of course, now it, it's a little bit uh, impractical to have these microphones in your own ears. <laughs> so therefore, uh, we use dummy heads, for example. And dummy heads are, are what they're, they're artificial heads, <laughs> created to be sort of, you know, some kind of <laughs> role model of, of, a, of a person, you know, a typical person, so not anything extreme, let's put it that way. Uh, so it should not sound colored, because the fact is that, of course, all people, we, we all have slightly different head-related transfer functions, and, but we're not 
that sensitive to the difference. The main difference is actually the the distance between our two ears. Because that makes a difference obviously on you know where we will locate a sound to the left and to the right. That's the primary difference. Then you have other small differences. And the role of a good dummy head is to make something that works quite well for everybody. But there are downsides to binaural recordings, which is that you are if we've recorded in binaural and with a dummy head, and then I realize I really would like to change the mix spatially, how do I do that? Because I've measured and encoded everything already in 3D. I can't pick out a certain sound and move that. So that's one of the problems with binaural recordings, actually. And that's why mm -hmm. other 3D sound formats have emerged as well. Very interesting. But I also stumbled across the word ambisonics. What is that, and how is that different? Ambisonics is actually a really neat idea uh, that was developed back in the 60s, 70s. Um, it's an encoding. Uh, when we, you know, we, we just talked about the sort of the downside of binaural recordings. With an ambisonics recording, you don't have those down, downsides. Uh, and the idea is that, we, like we said, we, when we normally make a normal uh, stereo recording, we have something called MS stereo. So it picks up two, two uh, channels, you could say. Uh, and this is a generalization to also include the up and down direction. And all of a sudden, then you have captured the sphere. And it's a, it, it uses something called spherical harmonics. It's a mathematical way of breaking down a three-dimensional wave field at the specific point where you're then having your microphone. So the way it works is you have a, uh, a four-channel microphone arranged in a tetrahedral pattern, and we're using that also to record this in binaural right now. And, and then, based on that, you can actually, from these four signals you get out of that, you essentially get slices in space, up, down, left, right. Simplified a little bit, but it, it is actually like that. And it sums up uh, perfectly. So you have, you can combine these different and pan things. You can look into a different direction with that and, and create virtual uh, microphone patterns uh, as well. And look in a certain direction or take the whole spherical sound. And, and that's what we call first order ambisonics. And there's also higher order ambisonics, which add more channels and, and at least in theory, better resolution than. But it's also hard to actually build those microphones because it is based on, like I said, a mathematical theory with its spherical harmonics. And your real physical microphones need to exactly mimic those microphone patterns that are assumed by those spherical harmonics. But the essence is, you're getting a really neat four-channel representation, which captures the whole 3D sound field around you, up, down, left, right. And then you can sort of zoom in on various parts of that. And you can, of course, complement it with head tracking. And you can easily translate it to uh, to binaural output, actually, like we're doing here. And and you can also decode it for specific speaker layouts, because that's the issue with binaural. When you're playing back a binaural recording, you have to have headphones or potentially a speaker that has something we call crosstalk cancellation that takes away the crosstalk that you have uh, from the left speaker to the right ear and vice versa. So binaural really assumes one person listening, because it's really getting the signals at your ears. And this is the downside of that, whereas ambisonics represents the whole sound field in a way. 
it's what we call a scene-based format. And it's very practical. It's also nice because it's an open format. It's not protected by patents and so on, so anybody can really use it. And it's being used by lots of companies and, and uh, starting to sort of catch up now because 3D sound is emerging much more than it used to. But that was what I was going to ask you is that is it the complexity of building it? Because now when you're talking about it, you're still saying that even in this era that it's challenging, as I've mentioned before, that 3D technology is nothing new. So give us examples on why 3D audio will become the next big, big thing and why is now the time for it? It's a, it's a, that's a good question. And there's there's been lots of challenges, I would say. Uh, there's a number of reasons why, why it's starting to really you know, hit the, hit the big time now. Um, one is we're getting more bandwidth. <laughs> so it's easier to transmit more complex data. Uh, there's also um, there's also the access and the possibility to record content in 3D in, in relatively simple ways. That has become much better in recent years as well because it's been pretty tricky having to do these recordings with a dummy head, which is quite costly, so it's inconvenient, and it's only working for headphones. Now we also have, like ourselves, we work with some smartphone manufacturers and do cross-talk cancellation for the speaker systems. You can actually listen to binaural content from these uh, uh, small uh, smartphones, for example. And that's the other thing, that there's more and more content that is sort of is a natural fit with 3D audio, like you know, movies, games, and of course the game makers always want to add something to, to keep you immersed into the game, spend more time and, and money on their games, right? And, and audio can be immersive in its real, you know, in the real meaning of that word, word that you read. It captures can, you. Yeah, it captures you, and then you're stuck. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And that's one of the things. Then I'd say, you know, there's the VR and AR movement is a big thing as well. We're seeing you know, more and more, not least AR applications. And, and the thing, when you think about audio versus visuals, the first VR experiences were, were completely visual in a sense. They didn't have the 3D audio. Nowadays you're getting more of that. But it's kind of strange because when you think about our eyes and ears, we are, you know, as, as sort of, if you look at it from an evolutionary standpoint, we're more like a, a predator animal, we're not a prey. We have our eyes fixed in the front, so we can focus on this prey and capture it, eat it, whereas our ears are on the side. So our field of vision is actually not so broad, but ears, we hear everything around us, up, down. So the audio part of VR is actually, in my mind, more important the visuals, but people haven't really realized that. I would say... Why? Why? Well, we are so still stuck in this visual mindset, you know, aren't we really? Yes, we are. <laughs> it's really time for just not just 3D audio, but audio in itself to be the next big thing in my mind. Because look at TVs and, and cameras and all that. Focus on the visual, you know, and, and we're increasing the resolution and so on beyond what we can see. Whereas audio is still not where it could be. There's so much left there, including 3D audio, but also just increasing the overall quality of the reproduction. Once you have experienced a really great sounding immersive sound system, you're blown away. Yeah, but we haven't, we haven't uh, 
experience the real deal. That's the thing, right? We, we, we are still at point, uh, one point yes, exactly. <laughs> it feels like. That's very true. And, and, yeah. and that's about accessibility to those great sound experiences, of course. And there is more, you know, in the cinemas you have surround system, you're getting more and more, you know, uh, cinemas with, with hate channels and so on and more and more movies being mixed in 3D, and then you can experience this, and you see what you've been missing all along. And So I think it's also, you know, it's, it's a lot of different things happening at the same time that are having a big in combined impact, and also the industry itself looking for new features, simply, right? If you look at companies like Dolby, they of course need to new, push a new sound format when their old patents go out, and, and I think this is, this is a, a good movement, right? Because the immersive aspect Especially when you look at the COVID situation, we can also see that you know I'm missing go to concert, and so on. If you could do that uh, virtually, and there's no reason why we can't, we could do that today. The technology is available; it needs to get implemented though. But it's it's happening step by step now. That's fascinating. Yeah, I I feel like the reason um, the industry hasn't really um, embraced audio is probably because we haven't experienced it on that kind of level. Thank you.